Trust in me, you'll want to be prepared for a shiny new episode of Doing Disney as we count down our five favourite villain songs. Theme song guy. On this podcast, we let it go because Hakuna Matata and the bare necessities will always be our guide to infinity and beyond. All it takes is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. We know that life is better under the sea because on this podcast, we do Disney. Hi there, I'm your hostess of the mostest, Kelly Meehan. And welcome to this episode of Doing Disney. Today marks a momentous occasion. It is the first countdown episode here at Doing Disney. We're calling Disney Fast Play 5. If you've ever watched Disney on DVD in the mid-2000s, you may remember the selection menu with Fast Play to skip straight to the film. So we're honouring that and skipping straight to the favourite five choices of the topic. Today we're fast playing through five favourite villain songs and I'm joined by Caleb Boatman and Caleb Coho. Thank you so much for joining me today. We have our heading. Here we go. Let's do it. Start at the beginning. As it should be said for every Fast Play 5, there are only a limited number of spaces and many amazing choices to pick from, so hard cuts must be made. Fast Play 5s come down to favourites, as is every category on this podcast, and each person is entitled to their picks. Just because something doesn't make the list doesn't mean we don't like it. I encourage quirky, out-of-the-box choices because the theory of this podcast is finding out how various people do Disney. So it comes down to personal opinion and how you want to make the list. We will be kicking off with Caleb Boatman. What have you got for your number five? Okay, my five, uh, I believe uh, we were told that Disney Channel original movies were eligible for this. Absolutely. So what better villain from the Disney Channel canon was there than Miss Sharpay Evans? And you have a lot of quality Sharpay songs, right? But which one exemplifies Sharpay than the one that tells us exactly what she wants? And that's the one that tells us that she wants things fabulous. Fabulous! I I zigged when you thought I was going to zag. Fabulous is my pick. I want it all is also great, but fabulous from High School Musical 2 is just the ultimate villain song. Because, you know, I want it all. It's great, but really, Sharpay's not the villain at all in High School Musical 3, if we're being totally honest. She's really not. She is the villain of High School Musical 2, <laughs> and she's having the best time being the villain. Uh, I, I think that this song is, like, top three catchiest gets stuck in my head more than, like, anything else from the High School Musical movies. Uh, I, I love this one so much. This is very fun song. Coho, your thoughts on Fabulous? So his zig when he thought he said icon was directed exactly at me, who started freaking out because he started bringing up uh, I Want It All, which he knows I think is in my top five in all of High School Musical songs. Fabulous is good. I really do like Fabulous. I'm also not the biggest fan of High School Musical 2. Um, like, I, I'm in the group of, of followers who think it's the worst of the high school musical movies um but it has a fire soundtrack and fabulous is fantastic um can't really argue with it um just yeah i'm a little disappointed to pick the better one i like i want it all a lot more but okay that's fair that's fine I'll be doing this podcast i've been really excited to go revisit the high school musical films because i saw them once when i was in high school so it's and i know it's something very popular within the community so i'm excited to go back this one i don't have at the top of my brain i remember the songs from the first one much more because they they were played more often so now i've got something to look forward to 
Um, but that's a good actual segue to my number five because I've also picked a Disney Channel original movie. Not from the High School Musical series, though, from the Descendants franchise, because that's my favourite of it. Descendants is going to come up time and time again on this podcast. So I'm going to pick Evil Like Me, sung by Kristen Chenoweth in the first film. So if you're not familiar with the movies, uh, it's about this group of villain kids, the kids of all the, the bad guys like Maleficent, Jafar, Cruella, people like that. And they've grown up secluded on an island that's devoid of magic. And they get, I guess, um, pardoned and get to join into the high school of the good of the good kids and it's about Maleficent's daughter Mal uh, wrestling whether she's good or bad and so this song comes in and it's got that old Broadway vaudevillian vibe you see Christian Chenoweth as Maleficent tap dancing with with her stick and things like that it's fantastic and of course she hits those big soaring Broadway notes and just bring so much personality into it. So this one, I just, I find so joyful in the film. I like this. Have you guys heard of this one or watched the Descendants movies? I have never seen any of the Descendants movies. I'm vaguely familiar with their plots, but like this was right, like this came right after I stopped watching Disney Channel because I stopped watching Disney, like this came out when I was like 15 so at that point, like that was a, ah, no, nah, I'm, I'm too cool for Disney Channel at that point. I was not cool at all, but I, I wanted to be too cool for Disney Channel. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard this one, but I, it's Kenny Ortega and yes. it's Kristen Chenoweth. So I will assume it's good. I have never, ever, ever seen The Descendants. Um, I have heard a lot of negative things about the descendants uh descendants is way after my time with disney channel so i had never like had an inclination to go watch it um i'm glad that you have these movies that you like uh, i just will probably never endeavor into the world of this trilogy that destroyed a high school musical record and that will always be blasphemous to me without me ever watching descendants I love that two people much younger than I saying that they are too young for this franchise when I absolutely adore it. Well, great. <laughs> Go here. What's your number five? So I'm going to preface this up top. Uh, I am here to break the list. Um, I have many things on here uh, where you're, you're going to go, wait, what? Huh? Is that what? Um, and my bottom of the list has been a full disclosure, a battle for which weird thing I include. I will shout out. Uh, we don't talk about Bruno from Encanto because I, I don't know if that technically does count though. Bruno is technically like the antagonist for a while. I'm like disincluding it. Um, but shouts out to the best song in Encanto uh, by a large margin. And instead I'm going to go with another, huh? Does it count? Cause technically the villains aren't singing it. However, the scene that it shows up in is dark as hell where the villains are winning. I picked it's me on brand hoist the colors Pirates of the Caribbean at the world's end. Pirates of the Caribbean at world's end hoist the colors is the darkest scene in the entire series where people being hung and singing in despair. But that song slaps hoist the colors is a fantastic song. Obviously, as like the biggest Pirates of the Caribbean fan in the history of the world, uh, I was going to find a way to work it in to this topic somehow. But I, I really love the first three a lot. And the opening to At World's End is probably my favorite opening of the three movies, just down to like 
where we ended on such a, well, you could call it a downer or an upper. I call it an upper of Barbosa with the best mic drop ending in movie history for me. And if you watch them back to back, like I always do, I can never not watch At World's End immediately after Dead Man's Chest, or at least not want to. Um, and going right into the scene, just completely setting the vibe of like, oh, we're we're losing. Like we're just straight up losing going into this movie. And I think that that is such a powerful scene. Uh, I love, I love Voice the Colors. Also Hans Zimmer, like banger. Brilliant. Yeah, I love what you're saying about how like it just suits the tone of the scene so much. So I think I think that's a great choice. Boatman? Uh yeah. Uh I will always associate this <laughs> not with uh the movies, but with uh the time uh I got asked this question in my first ever fandom match. Did not know it at the time, and that's why I lost to one Thomas Scully. <laughs> um, but that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship to quote uh, Casablanca going back and watching these movies because I have a friend and manager who is obsessed with them and forced me to watch these movies. Uh, this sounds good. This is a great moment. Uh, I, I think at world's end gets a little bit too much hate. I, I don't hate this one. I think it, it's a little long, but I think this moment really does kind of set up the environment that we're in. So I think it works. Boatman, what's your number four? My number four, uh, we're not going out of the Disney Channel original movie, uh, well, yet. But I'm not going live action. I'm going animated. Ooh. And there's a song from a, one of the few Disney Channel original movies that is animated. And that song is from Phineas and Ferb Across the Second Dimension. Brand new best friend sung by both Doofenshmirtz is one of the most fun Disney songs ever. There's a lot of like really clever uh, lyricism in it. Uh, Do llamas freak freak you out? Yeah, are they camels or sheep? No, I meant Lorenzo. He played Meek. Great, great. That moment is fantastic. Uh, There's just so many, there's like, why does the scar go over your eye patch? There's just so many great little moments with the two uh, Doofenshmirtz, uh, and just the real Doofenshmirtz ending it with coming at you Fridays. Perfect. What are we doing? A TV show? Amazing. I love this song. It sets up, it, it, it doesn't set anything up. It just gives us the two Doofenshmirtz and the one Doofenshmirtz being just very goofy and the other one being a little bit more stern. I think this one is so much fun. It's great. I haven't seen it, but I've seen the occasional Phineas and Ferb episodes on TV and I know how good the songs are from that and how catchy, especially the, the baby one that gets stuck in your head so easily. So I'm, I'm very keen to watch this now because that Lorenzo, Lorenzo Lamas line just laid me so keen. Koho, have you seen this? Uh, I have uh, mm-hmm. because Bowman and I could probably host a Phineas and Ferb podcast if we really wanted to, but that's been done already um, and that would be copying. But uh, I love Phineas and Ferb. Uh, Across the Second Dimension honestly could have been the series finale and I'd have been extremely satisfied. Um, I think this song is fantastic. Um, I think there's also like a really good villain song in Candace Against the Universe. Um, and I think that, that that one also is probably the one that I've watched less, but I might like more in terms of like a finale to the world of Phineas and Ferb for now. I think Candace Against the Universe gave like a lot of closure. But Across Second Dimension, fire soundtrack, 
fire song. I love two doofenshmirtzes, and it has some of the best in-jokes that our group uses to this day, down to the nickel line, uh, which is great. So, uh, My number four, I'm curious, might be the first overlap. I'm going to pick Friends on the Other Side from The Princess and the Frog. Yes. Anyone I else have it on the too. list? What do you have it as? It is, it is my one. This is my favorite Disney villain song of all time. Oh, well, we'll, we'll save it then. We'll come back around to that one. Um, that's okay. too big of a gap because that's for number <laughs> one. That's just so Fair. exciting. So what's your number four then? Uh, my number four, um, I have been in a slight battle uh, between two picks to figure out which one I'm going to go for between two decons. Um and I'll shout out the other one that I'm not going to use. You know what? We're going to go with one that people have seen less. I'm going to pick Moment of Truth from Let It Shine. Um, Moment of Truth is my favorite number in Let It Shine, which is Disney Channel's Christian version of 8 Mile. Uh, and it is a, an absolute banger of a time. That's a terrible way to sell it. But it is a rom-com. Uh, it is, like, all about rap, about this guy who mop, who mops the floors at a rap uh, club and his dad who's a pastor is like super against rap music um and he uh ends up getting to finally rap he like ghost writes and ghost performs and gets famous enough where he has to actually step out and do a song and he rap battles against the bad guy uh who is played by what's his name again it's brandon something brandon michael smith is that his name i yes. think that's right he was from so random yeah. Um, which is the first time where I saw him as a bad guy after so random as I had the chance. And he was great. Lord of the Bling. Um, and Moment of Truth has some of the best, like, just like roasts that I've seen in a song. And it comes back around with just, it's a fist pump. It's an absolute fist pump song and a fist pump moment in honestly a Disney Channel original movie that has been lost to time. And it's such a sad, sad thing. The other one I was going to think about is And the Crowd Goes from Lemonade Mouth. Those two are both really, really fun villain songs. If you call them villain songs of Lemonade Mouth, which is why I disqualified it, because like they're not really the bad. One of them's a bad guy, and one of them's a love interest, so it's kind of hard to pick. I definitely think those two movies, which came out within like a year of each other and are both music related, are like one is still talked about. Lemonade Mouth's got its following. I'm happy, but we need the same thing for Let It Shine. Let It Shine is an absolute gem. There are so many more Disney Channel original movies making the list than I anticipated. It's great. So I've not seen Oh, Let we're going to get even crazier. Don't worry. This is not my craziest pick. Oh, brilliant. But I'm thinking we need to do an episode on it now because that was just a hard sell. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Boatman. I will come back. We'll do like a commentary on Let It Shine. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Let It Shine and uh, Lemonade Mouth are, I'm glad he kind of mentioned them in the same breath because they both are kind of Disney Channel just taking a movie and saying we're gonna do our version of that movie and make it a musical uh, Lemonade Mouth with the Breakfast Club and Let It Shine with 8 Mile uh, that song I'll be honest it's been at this point I think it's been 10 years since I've seen Let It Shine because I saw it when it premiered and I don't think I've seen it since so it has been forever since I saw Let It Shine but I do remember kind of liking the songs at the time. So I'll Would that. you believe me if I could tell you that I could still rap the entire song? <laughs> and I, I haven't heard it in like that. three years. We would believe that. Yeah. I, I, I love it. There's like, but I will show it. I'll show it to you guys later, like in context. There's like, you love the, the where he comes back and just roasts everyone. Let It Shine has a better version of the Eight Mile come back and roast everyone. It's great. Whoa. It's great. Honestly, I like it better than the 8 Mile comebacks. It's great. Let it shine better than 8 Mile. You heard it. Yeah, I, 
No, no, no. I, I absolutely stand by that. I stand by it. I think Let It Shine's a better version of Eight Mile, and I'm the Eminem fan. Moving along from that one, Bo, which got at number three. Uh, my number three. Now I'm going to go to the actual theatrical released movie. Well, uh, and I'm going to go to a song that I really like, but I feel like it's overshadowed by another similar song. Uh, but they they're they're very similar, and I kind of like the original more. Uh, this gets overshadowed by Gaston for Beauty and the Beast, which is a great song. But this is a song that takes the same idea of basically just a drinking song about how great this guy is. The only difference is these people don't actually think these, this guy is all that great. They just know they're going to get eaten by a cat if they don't say this guy's great. Radigan from The Great Mouse Detective Good is choice. such a fun song. I love this song so much. Uh Radigan is like such an underrated Disney villain, in my opinion. Like he is so much fun. And that's partially because Vincent Price is just having the time of his life playing this part. He is, he is great. And I just think that edge of it's a fun drinking song about how much we love this guy, but like that edge of they are also absolutely terrified of this guy. And I think that kind of just adds such a, a fun twist on that song. And Radigan just bragging the whole time about like how smart he is and the big Ben caper and all this. It's, it's, it's so much fun. I, I really like that song. I, I like this one as well. This came up when I was thinking of things because possibly the other one you mentioned and compared it to might come up on my list because I do think it overshadows it. That's, that's why I edged it out a bit. But what I like, as you said, the means are scared of him, but the way they sing it and, and the chorus they have, I, I really appreciate that. And the imagery of the drinking fountain and things like that. And you're just waiting for someone to say rat. You're almost like on the razor's edge, like the whole song. You're like, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? And it comes in at the end. So I, I love this one as well. Good choice. Okay. Uh, this is very good. I like this one. Um, I I did my big walk, like literally around this time last year, I went through all the Disney anime movies in a row for a trivia match. Um, and I, I liked this one. I I liked this one as a movie less than I did before, but The Great Mass Detective is solid. I enjoy it. I definitely think this is like a fun one. I don't know if I go so far to make the same comparison that you do in terms of it being better than the other one. And I'll, I'll hopefully we get to talk about the other one tonight still. Because uh, if I did my list, like, quote unquote, legit, uh, it would be my number three. Um, but it's uh, it's a fantastic villain song. Radigan's a great villain. Yeah, it's a good movie, good song. My number three is another sort of outside-the-box pick. And it's one that definitely didn't come to mind straight away. But it's not a Disney Channel original movie, but it's live action. I'm going to pick I Put a Spell on You from Hocus Pocus. So I didn't rewatch Hocus Pocus for Halloween this year. I feel so awful, but this performance is just banned in my brain. I love this movie. This is a Kelly Mean VHS classic, seen countless amount of times. Obviously, it's not an original song, and there have been many covers of it, but I think this is one of the strongest that's ever been done. I mean, Bette Midler, do you really need to say more? Her performance of Winifred throughout the whole film is, is fantastic and I like how they seamlessly incorporate this into the film because it's when they go to the town party for Halloween and there's already a band on stage so it's not I'm suddenly singing my feelings it's like they're casting the spell more naturally throughout the film and she's just so in her element performing she's my name's Winifred what's yours it's great just all those little small touches and how they 
bring in the uh, magical words of the spell into the lyrics is great and how they incorporate um, the sisters as the backup singers because I always love when you do call and response in songs. So when it's like, ask my sisters, she's vicious. I like all those little touches and moments throughout it. So this one stands out. Boatman. Uh, yeah, this uh, th- this moment is great. I'll admit I'm not the biggest Hocus Pocus fan. It's one that I think they're, I I didn't grow up with it. So it's one of those things where I came to it very, very late. I think I watched it for the first time last Halloween. Mm. So uh, it's one, it's not one of my all time favorites as a movie, but the thing I will give this movie is that the three witches are so much fun. And Bette Midler is having the time <laughs> of her life in this movie. And this moment is great. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was familiar with the song before this one, before the movie, but I was like, oh, this is a fun choice here. Yeah. So yeah, I think this this song's fun and it's a great pick. Okay. So yeah, I I like this song from what I remember. I haven't seen Hocus Pocus in a long time and I actually don't think I know this version of I Put a Spell on You, because I know there's a different song called I Put a Spell on You that I listen to every Halloween by Screaming Jay Hawkins, and I think they are two totally unrelated different songs called I Put a Spell on You, or are they the same one? I think it's the song. It's a cover of the same one? Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, I wasn't sure, because, like, in my head, I might be completing a totally different song and just inserting the words I Put a Spell on You. (laughs) Um, But the the Screaming Jay Hawkins one is the one I play every year. I I love that version. So I think that song is incredible. Uh, So, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, That is fair. Yeah, it's a good song. Yeah, they take it and they make it more 90s, more pop. They're in a band, that sort of thing. Kari, what's your number three? It's me again. Uh, So when the list was given to me with parameters of uh, general rule of thumb, uh, if it has Disney Plus on it, it's good to go. Uh, You knew Hamilton became fair game and Hamilton comes in and you'd want to know which one I picked. And I went through and over and over as to which Hamilton I would pick. Was I going to pick who, what did I miss? Which I think is like a more objective villain song, which I think is great. But I picked the song that I think is the best in the entire show, which is Wait For It, uh, which I think is the best song in Hamilton and is a phenomenal song for Leslie Odom Jr. and Aaron Burr. Uh, Hamilton is like, I have said it a thousand times before, my favorite thing to ever be created because uh, it's hard to be like, uh, I mean, it's my favorite musical. It's my favorite, It's not like my favorite movie, but it is my favorite thing to exist. I think Hamilton is an incredible piece of art down to every song that they make that Lin-Manuel Miranda composed. I think it's like a perfect thing. I could talk about Hamilton for years uh, and find different things to say about the same things. But I think that specifically down to Wait For It, Wait For It is a song that I really love. I love how not just like lyrically, but musically, it is counterintuitive to the music that that Alexander Hamilton performs. Uh, everything that Alexander Hamilton does is super fast-paced rap. It's super, it's super quick-witted. It's very intricate rhyme schemes. And when we get to Burr's verse, is a slow ballad about taking your time. And I think that like down to the music, down to the lyrics, down to the emotions, it, it, he, he's able to embody the antithesis of of Hamilton and that's what makes this musical so great is there's so many different numbers so many different moments where they take the time for the music that plays to be inverted of something else um and this is not the best example of it musically I what did I miss literally has that where the opening of it is is my shot 
in a minor key inverted when they introduced Thomas Jefferson, which I think is like almost a better musical motif. But what I or, um, wait for it is, is I think the better song between the two. Um, it's hard. I could have picked both. I, can I just make it a tie? Can I make it what did I miss and what wait for it? All of Hamilton. All of, cause Hamilton's a villain. All of it's Hamilton. All, all of Hamilton goes right in at number three. All of Hamilton goes right in as my number three. When I said- All, 40, all 44 tracks. When I said Disney Plus is on the table, yes, and this is anticipating Hamilton, but I was very curious what you're going to pick and sort of how you're going to not justify it, but sort of work, work it in. So uh, very good choice there. Bobum? Uh Yeah. Uh, I love this song. I think if I was going with villain songs for Aaron Burr, I would probably go with Room Where It Happens, which I think is kind of the Wait, Burr actually becomes the villain of that movie. Because I think to that point, he's still sort of an ally of Hamilton. And it's really not until Room Where It Happens where he's like, no, I'm going to get mine because I'm not going to sit around and wait for it anymore. Sure. Uh, but no, Wait For It is a great song. So I'm not going to begrudge you this pick on this list. I will begrudge you trying to pick all 44 tracks of Hamilton. <laughs> all 44 tracks of Hamilton, number 33. Uh, no. And the sisters? Everything? Uh, well, listen, Peggy is actually the mastermind of Hamilton. Therefore, the Skylar Sisters is my pick. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, you could pick, I could have picked all three King Georges. I could have picked everything. Oh, cabinet battles. Sent in anything on Disney Plus. I knew, okay, well, that's going to happen. Fair. That's true. I didn't think about it until like recently. But yeah, I also will say the room where it happens is my favorite. Watching it on Disney Plus, that's my favorite musical number in the whole thing, visually to watch. I think that's the most dynamic viewing experience, but. I think the best composed song, maybe for me, is Wait For It, which is why I'm, and I just defaulted. I could have I could have done the dumb thing and been, my argument is that the villain is Alexander Hamilton, therefore my shot is the villain song. Bo, what's your number two? My number two, I'm going with my favorite, like, pure song uh, from a Disney film, uh, and I'm going with Cruella de Vil. Nice. I think the song, just so much fun, like, it's got... The very songwriterly Roger uh, notes of like, this feels like an actual jazz song that you could have heard from that era. So like it, it feel, but the, the lyrics feel like, you know, they don't feel overly complicated or overly cinematic. It just feels, it does feel like a guy just kind of jamming out, coming up with this on the fly. But I think that's what makes it a little bit more fun is that it, it's, it really does kind of feel like something that somebody came up with in like five minutes, you know? Cause you watch like that, the, the Beatles documentary where Paul McCartney is just kind of, joking around and then he writes get back uh and that that's kind of what Cruella Deville feels it just feels like Rogers just joking around and then he comes up with Cruella Deville which is like one of the top tier Disney villain songs of all time uh it's it's really fun it's got like the creepy atmosphere and it, I, it just sums up who she is as a character and it, it's a great song I, I like that one a lot this song is the reason I made sure to write. It can be about the villain, doesn't have to be sung by the villain because it's sung by Roger, but it's it's completely about Cruella de Villain. It's a great introduction to her character before you even see her and you get the shadows at the door and things like that. And I love how you say about the jazz because it very does suit that era and how it is like Roger's joking, Roger is joking 
And when you sit around with your mates and you come up with like silly songs and you're teasing someone else about it all and Pongo joins in, it's very much got that atmosphere to it. And the simplicity of it works in its favour. So I love this one. Go. Because I live my life by the altar of Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, When I think uh, this song very much is like Boho Days, Boat from Tick, Tick, Boom, if you kind of think about it, they had the same similar vibe of the guy coming up with a fire song out of his ass. <laughs> and it's just kind of great. But it has that same sort of songwriterly, like, this is the life, boom, 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 boom. Whereas this, Corella you come up with one riff and you just roll with it. Um, also, shouts out to the Florence and the Machine, Call Me Corella from Corella this year, which is an absolute banger, where they, yes. they just, they took, they took the one motif and just made a new song and it's rad. Um, but... Yeah, this is a great one. Unironic, like I say unironically, as if I didn't take this seriously. If I held this just to the canon animated movies, this would be my seven. Um, I really do love this song a lot. But yeah, the great song. That's why we're doing favorites, not best, so we can have a bit of leeway, a bit of personal Right, theme. yeah. So my number two was mentioned earlier, and it's going to be Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. And I did have a, a bit of trouble picking between either Gaston or the mob song, because I think the mob song is probably more villainous and more terrifying and really plays on that subject of fear. But Gaston is just so much fun. It's, it's, it's the drinking song. It's the atmosphere. It's the whole town singing together to celebrate this person they think is a hero, but is just awful. And all the things they choose to celebrate about him the antlers and the decorating and the spitting and things like that is just shocking. But I love the, it's the small moments in it. Like nobody matches wits with Gaston and you just see him do the ultimate move of flipping the board. And that's, that's it. Uh, it's great that it taught us all words like I never heard before, like expectorating. And if you go to any Disney quiz, everyone will know how many dozen eggs Gaston eats, eats a day. So it's those little lyrical moments that are like in it and how it parallels Belle because at the start of the film we have this song about the subject of our heroine and how weird she is and she reads and then later on the whole town celebrating the guy who's the antithesis of that and I like that it shows that small town mentality or the little town it's a quiet village and that's the way people think so I, I and just the joy of the song is great. No yeah I think you're absolutely right in that you really need Gaston in the musical or in the in the movie, but as as like a musical function because you need to set up what the mentality of this town is, and that to the town, Gaston is the hero. That's why this song doesn't sound like a villain song. It sounds like a fun, like bouncy comic relief. It doesn't sound like a villain song because to everyone in that environment, Gaston is not the villain. Gaston is the hero of that story. And I think that's why uh, that the song works so well. I know I compared it to Radigan, but both songs are great. Like both songs are very fun. I personally like Radigan, but like Gaston, I, I can't argue with Gaston because it, it's so much fun. And LeFou is just getting so much mileage out of it. Like, LeFou gets kind of a bad rap in terms of, like, sometimes I think, oh, he's just kind of there to be goofy. But I think he is putting, he is, like, a big part of why Gaston works as a song. Absolutely. Oh, he kicks it all off, and he's there to cheer up his friend and things like that. And really, it shouldn't be a person that needs cheering up, but he, he does it so boisterously. It's great. 
LeFou is like the ultimate hype man. Yes. Um, I, I really love Gaston a lot. Both versions, actually. I actually really do mm-hmm. like the remake. I like the remake of Beauty and the Beast like more than most people, but I also think like the version of Gaston in the remake is actually really well done. Down to like the little things where he's trying to, and his name is G-A-S-T. I think there's another T. I just occurred to me that I'm illiterate and I actually have never had to spell this name out loud before. <laughs> it's like a great Josh Gad moment to have that like co- totally adds a little bit of extra humor to it. Not necessarily like the song needed it, but like it makes it different enough where it justifies, it's fun. I think Josh Gad's great in it. I think Luke Evans is great in it. Everyone memes to death. There's like like that image where it's like he eats four dozen eggs, now he eats five dozen eggs and the one in Bell, uh, I need six eggs, that's too expensive. <laughs> where it's like it, it's it's the it's like there's actual like storytelling in the background there that's really cool about the song but like i'm not a, that's not an original thought that's just everyone talks about that one i figured i might as well point it out uh i love gaston uh as a song it's fantastic through and through yeah and stop hating on the remake guys it's it's, it's fun it's good i do agree i like that that version of it in the remake as well it's good i i, I will say remake I, I think the song as in and of itself in the remake is good. My problem with the remake is that LeFou has to pay off the town to like sing along with them. Like we see him like slipping them money. And I think that takes away with what makes that song That's so fair. Funny. That's fair, I guess. Koho, what's your number two? So for the rest of this list, we're obviously going to keep it to the canon Disney animated movies. But my <laughs> the one I'm going to talk about is one that has been forgotten to time. I was almost cut out of its movie because it was too scary. Um, but it is a quintessential Halloween song for me uh, in what is quintessentially uh, my favorite fall movie because the first half of it feels very autumn. The second half of it, very Halloween. From the Adventures of Ichabod, Mr. Toad, I have selected The Headless Horseman. Um, the Headless Horseman is a phenomenal song. Uh, you have Bing Crosby doing all the music in the Ichabod segment, which obviously is a plus. I, I actually really love the decision for him to just be that half of the movie. Bing Crosby just carries the second half of that movie vocally where he sings, he narrates, he like literally just, just relays that story in such charismatic fashion. There's so many great songs in the Ichabod segment, like down to the first song, just Ichabod, Ichabod Crane is like just a great song. Um, but I think the Headless Horse was my favorite song in that segment because it perfectly sets up the threat of this headless horseman but it also perfectly falls in line with like he's superstitious i'm freaking him out but it also totally fits in line with just like this is what would happen at the tail end of a party like at the tail end of this party of a folksy time they just eat their hearts out and tell scary stories and i think that brom bones and the way he tells it is just so enrapturing and just seeing ichabod's different reactions as it goes from just mild like nervous laughter and then just like throwing a little bit of salt or just start salting his egg and it breaks and it's all the way up peppers it and now he's dying of heat uh just from the egg like just all the different visual imagery they give us in that number and it's so it adds to the terror of it because just randomly this whole room of people are just a chorus of just this scary headless german soldier that hunts you down and kills you in the woods which then leads into one of the greatest segments in the history of Disney, which is the chase of Ichabod and the Hell's Horseman, which I think is to this day, one of the most beautifully animated things of all time. And if you actually go back and look at different movies that came out in the fifties and sixties, Jungle Book, um, where they have straight up just taken the animation of that scene 
from or of a scene from it and just change the character designs. Literally, the uh, the, the stuff of the monkeys or the orangutans and Baloo that chase is literally the the mansion from the 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 farcical thing that you love about of them getting the paperback. And you can like they've done comparisons. It's the exact. It's cheaper. They just reuse the animation, put new designs on it. That's why that movie is just so. I think that that's why the movie doesn't get as enough credit just on the whole. It's a beautifully animated work of art with two really fun stories in it, uh, and this song is is the encapsulation of of that for me. I I I once again, I, if you are if you ever go back through it, I'm like I'm going to talk about each movie and have guests on. Like I, I Ichabod Mr. Toad's like probably objectively my favorite Disney movie ever. Like I I love the at least animation wise, The Adventures of Ichabod Mr. Toad is probably my favorite animated Disney movie. Wow. Is that um, Bing Crosby or is it Thurl Ravenscroft with the deep voice? Uh, the, the, one on, yeah. the one on Spotify is Thurl Ravencroft. That's the um, one I've heard that's recently. The, that's the yeah. only version you can get on like Spotify is, is Thurl Ravencroft's cover, but it is Bing Crosby in the movie, which is, right. that's a shame, Disney. Release the soundtrack for that entire movie because you can't get it anymore. But the songs from like Merrily on Our Way to Nowhere from the first, from, from Mr. Toad, just give us that and all the songs we make about Mr. Toad on an EP, release it digitally. I'll be the only person that buys it, but I'll be happy. Because um, we listened to a compilation of Disney villain songs on Christmas morning. That was our Unwrapping Christmas Music. Um, and they did this, <laughs> this version of it. And sure I really is. appreciated the um, very deep voice of Thurl Ravenscroft and his cover of it. So I thought that brought something more haunting to it and intimidating. So, but a good choice for this song. Vote. Oh uh, yeah, this, this song's uh, super fun, like spooky. I also, I was very disappointed to learn that the Bing Crosby version was not on Spotify because I was going to add that one to like my Halloween playlist this year. Uh, but I had to do the Phil Ravencroft one instead, which is is good. But the Bing Crosby one is so much better because you can tell throughout the entirety of the adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Bing Crosby is just having the time of his life like doing these voices and like even in that song when he i believe he it's him like doing the uh some will wear your skin and some will do this yes. and yeah like he's doing all that and he's doing like different voices like bing crosby is just having the time of his life singing he's got bounce to it too it's just he's like his has more bounce where it's just like mm-hmm. it just like goes along like that and then in in the throat throw right across just like bringing this like cinematic deepness to it which is like good i like it but like bing crosby all of his versions have that like i think eh. the storytelling boy vibe to it yeah it feels like brom bones is telling this story and you know he's kind he's trying to be scary but he's also just kind of trying to be funny with it too and i think that's why it really works (laughs) but we're down to number ones vote what you got okay my number one uh i think is not only like my number one villain song but it's like top three Disney scenes period for me. I'm going with Hellfire from The Hunchback in Notre Dame. Uh, I just rewatched this movie last night and Hellfire, I'm still blown away by the animation in this sequence. It is gorgeous and haunting and creepy. And uh, I believe Tony Jay is Frollo. His voice is so perfect. Like, this one feels like, it feels operatic. Like, it feels like one of those real, like, deep haunting, like, musical villain songs. And, like, just, 
it, it, I'm really blown away that Disney did something this dark and this intense. And it's, it's really just one of the most like complex songs in all of Disneydom. It's, it's just so amazing how like they're really giving us like a three-dimensional villain who has these really dark and creepy desires Really, like it's it's a little uncomfortable. Uh, a little, not a, not <laughs> a lot of them. And like they're doing it through song in what is some of the most like breathtaking music you will ever hear in a Disney movie. Oh, absolutely. The um the way they depict his abuse of power and religion and pair it together is fantastic. And the visuals of the fire and the gargoyles and the sins and things like that. I think the line that gets me is um, choose me or your pyre. I think that's brutal to hear. That's that's really hard. But um, I'm so happy this one came up because I think, as we're saying, if we're taking it seriously and we're doing best, I think this has got to be a, a definitely top three contender. But it's not one of my favourites because I didn't grow up loving Hunchback, so it's not one I've replayed a lot and that's just sort of the vibe I went with with my list. But this song is amazing. It's art. It's brilliant. Go. Okay. Uh, yes, the song is great. Um, it would be my four, uh, strictly going off of canon of Disney animated songs. I think this song is fantastic. I think this is probably the most adult Disney has ever gotten in a song. Mm. And it is very mature, and it is probably a scene that for most kids, I also didn't grow up living, like watching Hunchback, so as a, I didn't see this one a lot as a kid, so I can't really speak to it at, from a kid perspective. Uh, I don't think kids understand what's going on in this scene as much as the adults do. And for the adults, this is one of the most adult scary things you can see is just someone in a position of power with a sick obsession that has made a decision that is forcing you in a position where it's a lose-lose situation. And I think that is like a really, really creepy it, when we say dark, most people are like, oh, it's just dark. No, that's like, this is heavy. That's like a really heavy realization that comes out of the song. And the, th- the the other issue is everyone brings this up. It's paired with Heaven's Light, hmm. which I think is the worst song in the movie. Um, I, oh, I a friend, really a guy have... like you? Yeah. I, 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 I think I, uh, both are bad. I think Heaven's Light's really bad, though. So, like, it's that, like, it's like you go from, like, really bad to potentially the best song in the movie. And it's like a, and you have to get through both is really hard to get through. I, that's my issue with Hunchback in general is like the movie is good on the whole. I think the story has too many tangents that go into areas where I think it stops working. They have too many tonal shifts that don't work, but when it hits, it hits when it like allows itself to be the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It's great. The Bells of Notre Dame opening is phenomenal. And one of the best openings to a Disney movie. And then you get like you know the topsy turvy song and you're like oh, okay this is a weird tonal shift but you know whatever I, like I really think there I think there are really only two songs in Hunchback and Notre Dame that I think are really great it's Buzz Dame and the Hellfire half of Heaven's Light Hellfire so I think there I think that this is a great choice great little song out there out, out, out there, there out, you know what I'll lock that one back out there's also great Brilliant. also great because Tom Hulse is is an underrated singer he's a good vocalist uh, I'll give Tom Hulse that but yeah good, good choice. Well, my number one is an easy choice. It's definitely one of the more obvious choices and it comes to the mind when you think of Disney songs. I'm going to pick Poor Unfortunate Souls from The Little Mermaid. Um, I knew my my number one would be because it's one of my most replayed songs on my five CD Disney classic CDs. It's volume one, track eight. I know it off the top of my head. 
Pat Carroll as the voice of Ursula doesn't get enough praise, I think. I think we know other villain voice actors, but we don't celebrate her as much. And what she does with Ursula and the way she punctuates true and goes really deep and really plays with the dynamics of the song is what makes it. I think uh, paired with the design of Ursula is one of the reasons the film works it brings back that Disney renaissance and and launches it off. So I'm very appreciative of this song as well. And straight from the jump, we see um, my dear sweet child, that's what I do, that's what I live for, and how manipulative she's being of Ariel. And it paired with how naive Ariel is. So it works really well because you see that that dynamic and that, that shift between the two. So... And we see that she says one thing to Ariel and then we get the flotsam jetsam on the side as she sort of says all the little shady things to the eels. So we get both sides of the intentions. It spills out the, the plot of the film basically or it's, it's the crux of the film with the spell. And, oh, you'll have three days and you need true love's kiss. Without my voice, how will I? You love your looks, your pretty face, and don't forget body language. So it's just those little fun moments like that where she, she plays around with it, which I like. We see as the song goes on, she becomes more aggressive in, in her cell of the deal and, and things really ramp up when she starts throwing ingredients into the cauldron and, and she shows Ariel the face of the prince in, in the cauldron and really sells it off. So um, this one I think is just, just phenomenal. It's, it's the quintessential for me. Yeah, this one's uh, really good. Uh, I I think this is almost kind of like the inverse of a Radigan, where it's like very dark lyrics, or sorry, very not very like dark lyrically. Besides the little stuff she says, because it's her trying to convince Ariel that you know, hey, uh, I'm the good guy here. I'm redeemed. With- very creepy music like maybe like just musically the creepiest song from disney like it just it it really just feels like very macabre and i like that a lot it bobs Uh, along like it's under the water and you get that little sound effects with the bubbles and the wishing as well and you hear her tentacles move so it does feel like you're trapped under the water with this witch yeah no like it's it's fantastic design musically it's really a shame that like villain songs always kind of get snubbed by the Oscars, even though the Oscars love Disney songs. They hate villain songs for some reason. Like even Corella DeVille didn't get a nomination. And like, that's like one of the big ones. Like there are the, the Oscars hate villain songs for some reason, which is not good. Cause this one I think is top two songs from Little Mermaid. If I'm being honest, like it did is- kiss the girl get nominated. Yeah, it was Kiss the Girl and Under the Sea. Part yeah, of the world getting the nomination. Which is which, that's the other weird thing, because they go for the I Want song more than anything. The mm-hmm. I Want song is usually the Disney song. And that's like, to me, Part of Your World is up there as a top three most quintessential Disney I Want song. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I think Poor Unfortunate Soul is the Disney villain song for a reason. I think like if I had to, if we were going to get to the most objective source of objectivity with film, which is hard to do, but if you could do it, Porn Virtuous will probably sit number one on the list uh, for Disney Bone songs. I think it is down to the performance, down to the music, down to the thematic storytelling. I think it's great. Little Mermaid on the whole is a movie is I think has a hunchback problem for me, but not in the sense of music, in the sense that the story is not there for me. I don't like the story of the movie, but I love the music. It's like the opposite. So like I, I really love every almost every song in in Little Mermaid. 
I think part of your world is 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 or, or part of your world also stellar. But poor virtual souls uh, is incredible. Totally, just we talked about five seconds ago, and but I hundred percent agree. I think Little Women might be the most solid soundtrack in my opinion. It's all killer, no filler for me. Potentially, yeah. Um, so number one, and it's the only overlap we had the whole time. Coho, what's your number one? My number one is Friends on the Other Side from The Princess and the Frog. Um, it is my favorite Disney villain song with a bullet. I think that it is, that's the thing. I love The Princess and the Frog. It's a movie that like the first time I saw it, I liked it. And every time I've subsequently gone back, I love it more and more intensely. It's one of the Disney song or movies in general that just gets overlooked. And I don't really get why. Because um, I think it's a great story with some really great characters and like maybe some of Randy Newman's best work. Um, as a composer, musically, I like the jazz score is incredible. But I think what Friends on the Other Side does is it takes all the things that really work about Disney Villain Song and just takes it to the bare essence and goes to 11. Where it's like, it's creepy, it's scary, but it's enticing. Keith David's performance is so great. It is so money. Down to just from the beginning where it's just, the, the, uh, where the song just kicks it with the don't you disrespect me, little man. It's just from the first line is like, I'm in, I, the threat is established that like this guy can get aggressive, but then from there just sells, like lulls you along where it's just at the beginning, it's just a promise that his friends on the other side are going to help you down to, Oh, now that you got what you wanted, uh, don't blame me, blame my friends on the other side, which is a terrifying switch that happens where it goes from like good thing to bad thing. I can't be blamed. And Keith David is so great through and through i music nerd moment for a second we don't get a lot of bass bangers for people who sing bass and keith david delivers like that is like a great bass baritone solo for people who like sing that that's like an incredible one to do i love i wish i could do it uh i love it so much and i think that the visuals that go with it the colors of all the different voodoo magic and like all the different masks coming at you and like the shot of him doing the hands up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger as you shrink with him in the magic is like one of the, to me, probably one of the most quintessentially cool Disney shots that they have animated in the last 20 years. That is one of the coolest single cell images that you can see. I also like will always give this movie a lot of respect for being like, not the last 2D because we got Winnie the Pooh after, but like this is the last 2D princess movie. This is the last one we're probably ever going to get. And that's kind of a bummer, but they go out on such a banger note with this movie where it's just like all across the board great. And I'm so pissed that the songs that they did nominate this year are still good. I love Almost There. I think that's a great song. And Down on New, Down in New Orleans is really fun. I also really like that one. But if come on enchanted got three song nominations two years ago make it three give me friends on the other side and give that a, can't give that an can you give that an oscar what one? Oh, weary kind crazy art yeah no give that an oscar <laughs> give this movie a song oscar it deserves it i love 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 friends on the other side it is in my Hall halloween playlist it's it's up there for maybe top three favorite disney songs period i love this song. Uh, you hit on so many of the points of why i had it on my list as well I've got straight from the start, you see the face drop with don't you disrespect me, little man, don't you derogate or deride. And it's just that little bit of alliteration and the delivery from Keith David. 
it, it, no, you know you're dealing with a slick character. He's slick of mouth and slick of movement. So it pairs so well with the design and his mannerisms. And it sets up everything you need to know about the character and what his motives are. When you see the use of the shadow throughout the film as well, he goes to sit down and the shadow pushes his chair forward. It's just those little subtle touches that you see. You might not catch on the first time, but you see on the rewatch and really how his friends on the other side are connected as well as the foreshadowing of his tarot cards. It's the green you need. And you think he's talking about money, but no, it's about the frog. So those little bits of foreshadowing in it is great. It also has one of the best burns I've ever heard in a film, very Jane Austen, so it appeals to me, when he's telling Lawrence's fortune. He says, you've been pushed down by your mother and your sister and your brother. And if you were married, you'd be pushed down by your wife. I think that's just so cutting it's so well done so um and and the same with the, the hands and would you shake a horse in his hand and we're getting those religious references like we've just got from hunchback so what you're saying about combining it all with a bit of hellfire a bit of poor unfortunate souls it's even got that um groove sort of like gaston does as well so it's really bringing it all together great choice and and as you said we went through this dry period of villain songs in the 2000s so for Clements and Musker to bring it back and harken back to the Renaissance days, it, it does leave off on a shining note with this song. Oh, and and even just coming right off of the Dodge Derogator to ride, you're in my world now, not your world, and I've got friends on the other side, which is like a great capper to that opening. And just down to the, he's got friends on the other The chorus, the chorus the is great. Vocals. Mm. Mm. And like the, the use of repetition in mm-hmm. this song, also great. Um, yeah, it's fan. I, I, yeah, I could talk about the song forever. Sorry. The way like the song, it, it very much does feel like kind of the the pitch, right? It's like Doctor Facilier kind of pitching himself to that. Yes. So it very much starts in kind of subtle, and then it goes full on in to like, this is who I am. This is what I'm about. This is what I can do for you, and that's so great. It's Elroy Potashnik from Community singing us about how he's he's about to help both these two main characters. And I, I like that we actually get some background for Lawrence because it, it's actually kind of necessary to understand why he would screw over Naveen. So I, I think you kind of need that. Uh, or at least a verbalization of it because you kind of yeah. like see those... Mo- you kind of see it in his eyes, but the verbalization of what he wants and then the physical, him kind of being like, turned on by the idea of having power is like a really great like which it is a song with like a lot of exposition but it doesn't feel like an exposition it's not song. heavy in it yeah yeah like it, it feels like it we're basically being snuck all the information we need instead of it being poured on us and i think that's great and dr facilier is just the strongest thing about princess and the frog to me he he is the best thing in that movie in my opinion I also just think he's like one of the best Disney villains from the. I actually, I'll walk that back. I think he is the best Disney villain of the last twenty years of Disney films. Like I think, like in I will give in and Disney in Disney animated films in the last twenty years. I would take I would take Facilier potentially as being the best uh, villain of of from the last. Yeah, twenty years. Best as twenty years. I will give you if you went 20 because if we went too much further, it's it's easy. I understand, but <laughs> yeah. I think Gothel's a strong contender. But I appreciate the statement. That's also true. What you're telling me? You don't like the Baxen from Winnie the Pooh? Hold on. <laughs> Why didn't that song make the list? On that, note, I'm not let's talk lie. about. <laughs> That's my number ten. That would be my number ten. The Baxen song's a bagger. 
it is saying. very cute. The, the lyrics in that are adorable and it suits the theme of the, the, the movie in, in, on a whole. So that's a good choice. But um, how come Be Prepared didn't come up? That's the one I'm most shocked at. That would probably be my eight. And the reasons for not Be Prepared is more so just, I think Be Prepared is my least favorite song in The Lion King, generally speaking. I don't think it's bad. I don't think there's a bad song. Like when you were like, oh, like banger fire, like no skip soundtracks, The Lion King's mine. The Lion King is is no skips. All of some of the best work Elton John's ever done in his entire storied career is The Lion King. It's just great all the way through. But Be Prepared, Be Prepared or Can You Feel the Love Tonight come in as like my least favorite of the soundtrack. Um, I don't like I don't that is that is the wrong song to win the Oscar from that movie yeah. when Circle of Life is nominated. Yeah. Um I, or Hakuna Matata, which is also just, you know, it's Hakuna Matata. How are you gonna knock into Hakuna Matata? But yeah, I think be prepared it's like good. I also think there's like a really cool story that makes me prepare better because Jeremy Irons ripped his vocal cords singing that song. Which, like, if you think about it, that's not a hard song to sing, so I don't know what he did to rip his vocal cords, but he did it and Jim Cummings finished the song for him. The version you hear is is sung by Jeremy Irons and Jim Cummings, technically speaking. But yeah, it's good. Cody will kill me for that, by the way. Just saying that it's like my least least favorite. Like Cody will hunt me down, and, and, and I won't be on podcasts anymore. Um, but I, I consider be prepared. I like it. It, it goes down over mention. If we were only going like the canon Disney animated films, it probably would have made course. my five. And if we probably were going best instead of favorite, it probably would have made my five. I just wanted to talk about a uh, brand new best friend from across the second dimension. Absolutely. Which is, you know, if I had a, if I had a nickel for every time that Cody threatened us on call for talking about be prepared uh, or not talking about be prepared, I'd have two nickels, but it's weird that it happened <laughs> twice. I, I also shout out mother knows best from tangled. I yeah. considered that one. And I considered um, trust in me from the jungle book. I had to make a decision for my Sharpay Evans pick and I was between fabulous I won it all and the better version of what I've been looking for from the first one nice I was thinking um of like the real old classic ones so something like Hi Doodle Dee Dee being the actual first villain song from Pinocchio and of course I love the Mad Madam Mim but they're just they're too short but there's some great stuff in it. Like when Walt goes, that's terrible. Oh, why, thank you. It's just those little moments like that I really like. But of course, it's not enough, enough of a song to make the list. I also wasn't quite sure if we count the walrus and the carpenter as a villain song, despite it being about a walrus committing a genocide of oysters. But that song's a banger <laughs> and my favorite from Alice in Wonderland. Just saying. Famous song in Alice in Wonderland. Oh. It is. It is about a walrus committing a genocide of oysters. That's literally a song in a Disney today. movie. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I'm just saying, that's what it is, right? Oh, guys, thank you so much for joining me today and counting down your five favorite villain songs and showing us how you do Disney. We'd love to have you back someday. Oh, absolutely. We'd love to. Thank you. And when you come to the end, (laughs) stop. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Doing Disney. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Doing Disney Podcast and Twitter at Doing Disney Pod. See you next time.